0: The scripture reading for this message comes from the 6th chapter of John, verses 26 through 29. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. They said therefore to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Um, in the context of the sermon. But I want to uh, start by announcing this new series we're doing. It's called Outside Eden. We have just preached a series about how God gave us purpose in the context of Eden, in paradise. Well, from looking around the world, you can see that something went horribly wrong. People walk around without a sense of purpose, without a sense of meaning, not knowing, quote, what life's all about, unquote. And so what I would like to do is to outline for you what went wrong with the purposes of Eden. How they got twisted And the first one I want to deal with is the first one I dealt with in Eden, and that's labor. What happened with work? Why is it that we don't sense anymore God's purpose through our efforts as contributing to the world? If you will turn back with me to the second chapter of Genesis, I will work through the second, third, and fourth chapter of Genesis passages of them and show you what happened. First of all, let me remind you of the scripture that we uh, that we preached on when it came to work. Genesis 2:15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Now remember, Eden means delight, and remember this work was a work separate from God's provision for their living. Look at the look at the second uh, or I mean the 16th verse, and God. Uh, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely. So therefore God's provision was for the fruit. Now, you can't cultivate a tree. I mean, what can you do with a tree? I mean, you just eat from it. And so originally in the garden, God's provision was not connected with man's work. Man's work was given for his pleasure. For the pleasure of doing something constructive in the world. I like mowing the lawn. Now... I don't know why I like mowing the lawn. There are theories that I have. In in my line of work and probably in your line of work, sometimes you can't see anything happening for a long time. Sometimes you can't see any results at all from what you've done. When you deal with people, you don't know if there's been any effect at all. But when you mow the lawn, you can just kind of go down a strip and look back and there's a short piece and there's a tall piece. And you say, wow, I made a difference. That's pretty neat. I like that. When you pull weeds, you can do the same thing. You know, there's a weed, and then there isn't a weed. It's clean. And there's a sense of, I've added something to the world. The world looks better because I was alive today, you know? So, there was a sense in Eden that Adam had that wasn't dependent. Now, when I was a kid and God said, well, I mean, my dad said, um, not to be confused, um, that you gotta you've gotta mow the lawn ten times to get a season to earn enough money to buy a season pass to the pool. I didn't know I didn't like mowing the lawn. Because I was earning something, you know I was I was doing it and I wasn't getting anything for it yet. So it was a whole different sense. Well, there was a sense in Eden that Adam was doing something just to contribute. He already had his living provided for, God had already blessed him and given him a perfect place to live. And what Adam did was just to contribute to the world, just to make it a little bit better, you know? And that was a delight to him. Now watch what happens. Turn to uh, chapter 3 with me. And Eve is having this conversation with a serpent. Don't ever have a conversation with Satan. Don't ever do it. As As soon as you are getting a conversation with him, you've been had. Because he is so subtle. And you're going to come out with just the opposite of what you thought you were going to come out with. Now, Eve is trying to reason with Satan. Satan says, did God say you couldn't eat of any tree of the garden? Eve says, no. She's trying to defend God, see. He said, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lest you touch it, lest you shall die. See, she started adding on to what God had said. And then, then the serpent looks at Eve and says, now, wait a minute. I want to tell you something here. Look at verse 5. God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, what is Satan doing? What is the serpent doing? He's picturing God as somebody who withholds. Somebody who's not going to give you what you need. God's got this great big storehouse of goodies and He doesn't want to give it to you. He doesn't want you to have it. And so plants a seed in Eve's mind and subsequently Adam's mind that God's stingy. And if we want something from God, we're going to have to have the same capabilities mentally as He has. So, the Bible says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took... Look at that verb. It's a very strong verb in Hebrew. She took from its fruit... And eight, therein lay the um, the uh, 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 what's the what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, it starts with a P. Precedent, the precedent of seizing what is not offered. All right, starts in the Garden of Eden, so that you can take on all those attributes of God in the comical. That the, that the only thing that they saw when their eyes were open was that they were naked. And then they needed to go hide behind a bush. Now that's real godlike, isn't it? Big advancement for mankind there. See what happened? They got just the opposite of what they thought they were going to get. Just the opposite. They thought they were going to be big and strong and know it all. They just went like it, went behind the bushes when God came around. I like, there's a sign in Livermore, California. There's a pet hospital out there. Uh, Dell Valley Pet Hospital. And they have a sign in their parking lot that says, this parking lot is for the c- customers of Dell Valley Pet Hospital only. Violators will be neutered. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's, what, it's what happened to Adam and Eve. They, they thought they were going to be strong. and got neutered in the process. They were wandering around like this behind the bushes. See? They, they thought they could take it. Now, turn with me verse 17 through 19. This this is the curse. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree about which I have commanded you, saying you shall not eat from it, cursed is the ground because of you. Didn't curse that. Cursed the ground. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles shall grow for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken for your dust and to dust you shall return. Now what did God say? God said three places in that curse you're going to eat, didn't he? He promised him he'd eat. He just said it's going to get tougher. Now work comes before you eat. He just switched the sequences around. So therefore, in Adam's mind, this is what happened. First I labor, then I eat. Now watch this, this, is very subtle. So therefore, it's my labor that is producing what I eat. I am swapping, I am trading my labor for what I eat. It's not God providing for me anymore. It's me providing for myself. Now you can hear that same thing today. You go around and you say, Boy, what a wonderful house God's provided for you. And people say, Oh, God didn't do that. I mean, I believe in God and everything, but I don't want to earn that house. I'm the one that earned this high. It's from me. God certainly provided for you. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Kind of in a roundabout way he did. You know. But I want you to know I worked for this. How many times have you heard? I worked for this. See, God's out of the equation in Adam's mind. So therefore, Adam is not contributing to the world anymore. Now he's earning. Now he deserves what he gets. Now it's him who is Getting from this stingy God, by the fruits of his labor, what God owes him. Wow, what a turnaround that is. And you know what happens? We project that into things that can't be earned, that can never be earned. We project that into provinces of God that we believe we can earn from God and we can't. Let me show you how that happens. Look in verse 4. I'm going to tell you about uh, Cain and that old boogerhead Abel. I'm sorry, the, Abel and that old boogerhead Cain. Um, Abel was a keeper of the flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So it came about in the course of time. This is a long time. I want you to see the residual effects now of Adam working every day in the field, thinking he's earning a living from God and God owes it to him. came about that in the course of time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock. That tells you a little bit about his attitude and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering. Now, I want you to see this. This is not just a regard for the offering. It's a regard first for the person, then for the offering. The concentration is on the person, not the offering. Had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry. And his countenance fell. And then the Lord said to Cain, God, in his face. Why are you angry? Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, if you do well, it's not his offering, it's him. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. Now, what happened there? See, O Cain... Looked at his daddy. His daddy probably had said to him a hundred times, Man, I'm working hard. It's from my sweat that you boys are eating. Now, Abel didn't buy that. He came into God's presence with an attitude of, God, I want to give you my best. It's It's just for you and it's yours anyhow. And whatever you decide to do with me is fine. But Cain came expectantly, didn't he? He came with a payment. He came saying... I'm giving you this. Now you owe me your regard. There's a gal in uh, Arizona, Diane Kloss, who had her purse stolen a few years ago. A few days after she had her purse stolen, somebody came into the store where she was a cashier, gathered up a whole bunch of merchandise, laid it on the counter, and handed her a credit card. The credit card, Diane Kloss. She said, "Uh, what's your name? The patron said, Diane Kloss. She said, what's your address? It was written right on the credit card. She named off the address like that. Diane looked at her and said, came into the wrong place. My name's Diane Kloss. This is my address and this is my credit card. She called the police. You know what happened? When Cain came to the Lord, says, look at my grain I've brought you. Henry Blosher is a a, uh, uh, professor of uh, systematic theology and a at a, at a place in France, I can't even pronounce. Bright guy wrote a book called In the Beginning, and he said, "In what Cain was doing was literally trying to build up credit with God, but there was a problem. You can't build up credit with somebody else's credit card, you know? God said God's Cain's coming with with an offering, but with an attitude. See, and God's not looking at the offering; He's looking at his attitude. In the first place, if He was looking at the offering, God would say." That's mine anyhow. You know, you're giving me my grain. No pun intended. You're giving me my grain. You know? I'm sorry. There was a pun intended. Okay. But what I really have a problem with is your attitude. You think you can earn my regard. You think I owe you my regard. And I don't owe you a thing. Now, here's what I want to tell us. When you turn to our text, turn over to John chapter 6. Turn over to John chapter 6. The spirit of Cain and Adam pervades today. We are a people who believe that God helps them who helps themselves. That's, uh, By the way, it's not in the Bible. That's Ben Franklin who said that and poor Richard Al- Almanac. of Americans agree with that statement. And you know, to some degree, that could be true. But what I want to talk to you about this morning is the sequence. The sequence. And this is all important in Christianity. We as Christians want to rely on our labor for our relationships. We want to believe that we can earn things, especially the treasured parts of relationships that we can't touch with a ten-foot pole because it's not our provision. It's not our territory. It's totally up to the person as to whether or not they love us. And so, therefore, we go about working for love, trying to earn love. And the very thing we do puts that love away from us. Love can only be accepted. I mean, regard can only be received. Salvation can only be taken in. Can't be earned. But as Americans, we have adjusted our expectations for what a relationship with the Lord ought to be like to our earning power. Alexis de Tocqueville was a brilliant French historian who came over to the United States to observe our country in its early days. And he wrote in the colonial times about Americans. He says there's a very curious thing about Americans. He said they are ambitious, but they're not too ambitious. (laughs) They want to work to improve their lives, but they don't dream of the ideals, of the of the magnificent legacy that they could leave behind, like Tim was talking about here. Their, listen to this, their dreams are adjusted to their capabilities. Their dreams are adjusted to what they can earn to the small increments by which they can improve their lives. You know what? We've done the same thing in our relationship with God. We say to God, God, I know that all this is supposed to be wonderful and all of that kind of stuff. I know that I ought to be happy all the time and I ought to really be joyful and I ought to really have confidence and assurance, but I can't do that. So how about if I just work for you hard enough and feel like you love me when I do good? I mean, that's the part I can count on. So why not that kind of relationship? You see, the two advantages we think we have are really disadvantages. Number one, that way it's under our control. And number two, that way we don't have to give our whole lives. We can just trade our labor for a partial relationship with God. But you know what? It doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. God's saying, "Uh uh-uh, no sir, I don't love like that. And nobody else does either. When I was a little boy, we had uh, we had a thing of swapping army badges. Army badges were fascinating to us. I was a post World War II baby, and all of my cohorts were. And so we had these badges that that uh, our uh, uh, fathers and our uncles and grand you know everybody you know had and they pitched them in, and we put them on these kind of blanket like things. See. And we swapped them and we traded them. Oh, they were so fascinating. to little, little boys love symbols of authority. You know? We feel like if we got the symbol, we really got the authority. Uh, it was like sheriff's badges. Remember sheriff's badges? There was a sneaking suspicion that all of us had about our sheriff's badges that everybody else's was fake, but ours was real. You know? I mean, we actually tried to arrest people and stuff. No, this one's real. You don't get it. This is a real sheriff's badge. Well, they, we were like that in, in army badges, too. We loved those... Uh, army badges. And so we'd, we'd look each over there. Well, I'll trade you a, yeah, a corporal for a master sergeant uh, along with a, you know, a little button off a jacket. You know what? And we'd swap them around. See? But there were some on every blanket that weren't for sale. They simply weren't for sale. You know why? Because those were our dads. See? Our dad actually wore them in the war. And so therefore, there wasn't any amount of swapping that could get those into our possession. You know what? There are some things in life that are for sale. There they are. You know, the lesser things in life you can buy. But the important things in life, you can't. You can't swap for them. You can't purchase them. You can't merchandise. You can't do anything like that for them. See? You can buy a house. You can't buy a home can't buy one. You can buy medicine. can't buy health. You can buy a bed. You can't buy sleep. You understand? There are certain things you can buy, and there are certain things you can't. Now, read this text with me. Jesus answered them, verse 26, Jesus answered them, said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. You know, we're talking basic instincts again. Stuff you can buy, bread, that you might get a little cheaper if you follow Jesus around. Maybe you'll be able to get it for free, see? Now, Jesus says, don't work for the food which perishes. Now, I want you to see something here. Jesus isn't tra- t- trying to tell everybody to quit his job. Of course, we are going to work so that we can make a living. Of course, we are going to put in our time and bring home bread. That would be, more appropriately put, don't just work for the things that perish. Okay? Jesus said, you know, look look at the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. You know, they neither toil nor spin. But they were active, weren't they? I mean, birds of the air do go out and get their worms, right? It's just not, they don't earn them. They just get them. So therefore, Jesus is saying, don't just work for the things that perish, but work for, look at this, the food which endures to eternal life. Now, he's about to to proclaim himself the bread of life. That's where he's going in this. But work for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give you, for on him the Father even God has set his seal. And they said therefore to him, what shall we do? Look at this. That we may work... The works of God. Now, here they are into earning again. Tell us all of the good stuff we can do. And then God will give us this eternal thing. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus says this. He's taken it from plural to singular. This is the work of God that you believe in Him. Whom... He has sent. You know what? This is not something Americans like to hear. But there is nothing in the world you can do for your salvation but receive it. There is no control you have over God. There is no bargain you can make. There is nothing you can stop or start. When people say, someday... When I quit this, I'm going to accept Christ into my life. It drives me batty. Why? In the first place, what makes you think you'll ever be able to quit it without Christ in your life? There's no way in the world. If you haven't quit it so far, you're not going to quit it. And in the second place, if you would quit it for a short period of time and decide, okay, now is the time, what would be in your mind? Well, God came into my life because I quit it. See? I just earned myself and now I'm good enough to be saved. Whoa! Wrong road. You know what gets us saved? Saying, God, there is nothing here that deserves your love. But I want your love. I want a life where I don't have to worry every day whether or not I'm good enough. I want a life. Well, I don't have to worry every day whether or not I'm saved, truly saved. I want a life that I don't have to earn. You know what? The good news about having a life that you didn't have to earn is because you can't unearn it either. You can't unearn what you didn't earn in the first place. If you can receive it, If you can open your heart, and if you can admit there's nothing in here that deserves it, then it's yours. And it won't go away because you didn't do anything to deserve it in the first place. John Calvin said, faith is basically passive. Now, that doesn't mean that a Christian, after he accepts Christ, is a passive person. Christians are active. James wrote, Faith without works is dead. And of course, that's true. But again, we're talking sequence. The works need to come after the faith. The works that come before are nothing. Philip Melanchthon wrote the Augsburg Confession. He said, Faith is essentially receptivity. What are you ready to receive? What are you ready to accept from God? That's what faith is. Are you ready... To accept it for what it is. You can't earn God's love. As a matter of fact, the only way, reason that you can, you can love Him, says in John 3, 19, you love Him, why? Because He first loved you. It's the only way it can be, be done. done. See, even that you can't give to Him. He started it. Ephesians 2 says, By grace we have been saved through faith. Not by works, lest any man should boast. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn wisdom. And James 1 says, you want wisdom? You've got to ask for it. You can't earn it. You can buy books, can't buy wisdom. You can't earn the wonderful, most important things of life. Now here is going to be a hard word for some of you. Some of you have not only been trying to earn the love of God, you've been trying to earn the love of people. And if you didn't there, you didn't there. What you can do is live your life the best you can. Accepting the love of God and being free in that love. And then if the love of people comes, it comes. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But you're not dependent on the love of people. You're dependent on the love of God. Let me show you. I'll give you just a, a, a window of where we're going and then I'll quit. What happens... See, the reason people don't want to just accept something from God is something inside of them tells them that they won't perform if they have to live in security. Isn't that an odd thing? Well, if I'm secure, then I won't work for anything. You know what? It happens just the opposite. Being secure in the love of God that you did not earn maximizes your performance. Let me tell you how. Let me tell you how. There is something, this is an analogy, there's, an, there's something big in sports psychology right now. I talked with Wally Armstrong about it not too long ago. It's called psychoneuromuscular reaction. And in layman's terms, that is, that the way you enhance your performance is to watch yourself win a contest up here. People will sit and watch movies of people winning a contest, a contest, And what happens is that as they watch it, the neuro reaction fires the synapses in the appropriate muscles. And there is actually a physical enhancement of performance because they have watched themselves win that contest. Uh, Jim Thorpe, I heard an actual story about Jim Thorpe, the the great athlete who was going over on a boat to a foreign country to to be in a, a, a contest with, I thought it was the Olympic team. I'm not sure. But on that boat, everybody was running around that boat and keeping in shape and jumping and starting out of the blocks and all that kind of, Except Jim Thorpe, He was just sitting on a box with his eyes closed. About halfway through the trip, all these other guys that were in training really got bugged. And they went up and they said, Jim, what are you doing? And he never opened his eyes. He said, I'm watching myself break the tape. I think, I know from experience, there's such a thing as a pnema psycho reaction, a spirit psychoneuromuscular reaction. When you don't have to earn God's love anymore, when you don't have to wonder if you're good enough, your performance is enhanced because you can concentrate on what you're doing instead on what you're trying to earn. Then you again contribute, and you don't keep trying to earn. There isn't a price big enough in this world. There is an effort large enough in this world for you to get what you really need. God arranged it like that so that you would just plain accept it. It's all from Him, none from us.